Welcome to a special 58th New York Film Festival edition of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. Today, NYFF programmer Kay Austin Collins is joined by director Jia Jung Ke to discuss the filmmaker's evocative new documentary, Swimming Out Till the Sea Turns Blue. Jia Jung Ke gathers three prominent authors, Jia Peng Mo, Yu Ha, and Lang Hong in Shangxi province, where he grew up, to create a tapestry of testimonies about the drastic changes in Chinese life and culture that began with the social revolution of the 1950s. Get tickets for tonight's screening at the Brooklyn Drive-In or nationwide virtual tickets at filmlink.org. Let's go to the conversation now. Thank you to Film at Lincoln Center members for helping to make the Film at Lincoln Center podcast possible and for playing such a vital role in all we do. Membership started just $85 and offer discounted tickets year-round, including at the 50th New York Film Festival, early purchasing periods, exclusive invitations to member events and film clubs, and much more. If you're interested in supporting Film at Lincoln Center by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org slash members today. So I feel the need to start any Q&A right now, seeing how we're doing this uh, via video conference with the question of how are you? Right now I'm in Beijing and I just actually returned from my hometown and uh, last week. And like everybody else, since the beginning of pandemic in February, I have been very much quarantined at home. And during that time, I have been writing scripts. I made a documentary with the theme of the corona pandemic. Uh, and uh, after the travel restriction has uh, was lifted, I decided to start to travel back from my, uh, to my hometown. And I have been staying there since until last week that I decided to return back to Beijing. And that's where I am now. And everything is fine. Um, we're just uh, trying to make do whatever the experience, uh, the environment that we're in. Well, I mean, even in just, in just that description of how things have been for the last few months, you're uh, moving between the rural village and the city and the way that the film does and then the way that the, the authors that we're tracking throughout the film seem to have. And, and one thing I really wanted to ask you about um, is, is to follow up on something that you mentioned in the introduction about the need to return to rural China, um, to the village, to tell the story of modernization, which is something you've done in your career before. Um, but can you tell us more about, about this particular project and the literary aspect of it, which does feel novel? So for Chinese society, it has been rooted very much in the rural areas and the modes of production, agricultural productions. And the mass populations actually lived for generations in this particular context. And in terms of urban cities such as Shanghai, such as Beijing, they were the mainstream cultures because the, the most the vast areas in China is very much the rural areas and also populations are very much living and reside in these rural areas rather than the urban cities. So I do think that after the message 
and dramatic transformation in the 1980s have this, uh, in terms of the economic powers uh, of China that they have, uh, have experienced uh, in the past decades, I do see that the, there's a massive migrations of the rural populations into the urban cities. And this type of urbanization created a very interesting dynamic between generations. Mm -hmm. A lot of second generation children that they actually were born in the urban areas or urban environments, whereas their parents are actually from the rural areas and rural environments. And that kind of generation gap to really create certain conflicts among these uh, people because very much so the the parents generation so the older generation they're very much informed and formed uh, informed by the the ethics the values the ways of living the ways of creating interpersonal connections and relationships uh, in those rural settings and rural cultures so that i think the root of the conflicts and the difficulties and the problems that we're experiencing now have a lot to do with that kind of generation gap or that kind of misunderstanding or lack of understanding of where we came from, which is the experience and the uh, environment that we were in way before the urbanizations. And that's the reason why I want to somehow focus on not only spatially uh, what happened in the rural areas and the changes among these years, but also temporally how things have changed throughout the years. For example, the first uh, chapter called Eating, this is very much at the root of a lot of problems, difficulties, the parent generations uh, in the 30s and 40s that they experienced. And the past, um, I'm sorry, in the past 30 and 40 years that the, 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 the problems that the country has experienced in terms of hunger, in terms of poverty. So I do think that in order for us to understand uh, the, the the rituals of how we eat now and how things have changed and find out the experience in the past. We need to look back on how people uh, ate or being, or not being able to eat uh, 30, uh, 40 years ago through the recollections of these authors talking about what the eating experience was like back then. You know, that, that explains a lot. Um, I'm thinking back just to the fact that we from the early scene of, of the kind of older villagers eating, we immediately start the story of Ma Feng arriving at the village and talking about irrigation and talking about cultivation. Um, and from there, the, the entire story of the film seeming to blossom out of this story of how the village, um, how the village's uh, circumstances were changed by mutual aid groups working together to figure out a way to improve the situation of food and then moving on from there. It hadn't really, I mean, it is pretty, it is pretty direct. Uh, it's like a very clear starting point for the film in a way that seems obvious now, <laughs> but, but um, it's really gotten me thinking about that actually. I wanted to ask you, I mean, I wanted to pick up on that point about um, the intergenerational tensions because it really interested me for example in the chapter on journeys the young couple sharing headphones um the the noises of phones and, and and technology in contrast to these rural histories that we're hearing can you talk a little bit more about about um when you talk about the the problems between generations um 
Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because that was a tension that I very much felt as I as I was watching. 呃，一直到海水变蓝，从人物上，它是有。So I intentionally selected four authors uh, to recount their memories and their stories and their experience, and these are four authors from four different generations. For the first author, Ma Feng, he was most prolific in the 40s and 50s uh, in terms of his literary work. Uh, whereas Jiao Pinghua, the second author, he was born in the 1950s. The third author, Yu Hua, he was born in the 1960s. And the fourth author, Liang Hong, she was born in the 1970s. So for me, it is interesting to see how these different four generations of authors that, uh, that had different impetus, the different motivations to write what they're writing about uh, throughout their careers as an author. And I do think that you can see very clear distinctions going from, for example, Jia Pinghua or Ma Feng's generation, that uh, when they deal with the issues of hungers or poverty and all the other social issues, it's very much in this collectivization, that kind of collectivism concept, and to somehow find solutions or somehow depict what it was like back then in their stories. Whereas when the story moved to Yuhua, you can see that how that particular era is very much about leaving the collectivizations or the collectivism behind, really trying to seek out or strive for that sense of individualism, that kind of individual identity about individual rights, about individual freedoms. And all the way to the Liang Hong's, in this case, actually the son of Liang Hong, the fourth author, you can really see that the the effects of modernization, urbanization, and how that have impacted uh, this particular generation. So I do think that it is not so much so about just the technologies in terms of how uh, the headphones or uh, the, the iPads that are using, of course, that's part of the progress that we, we can see from the, from the outside in terms of exterior. I do think that more importantly is what's the changes and transformation in terms of uh, within, uh, including the ideologies from the collectivism all the way to individualism and other uh, ways that people start to think about and value things very differently as a result of these transformations. And, and as someone born at the latter end of the spectrum that you're talking about in 1970, I believe, um, I'm curious because this is these tensions and these changes are things that reappear, I feel, in, in your work. Something that I, I really value about your work is that you are mapping out this um, cultural shift and the ways that personal lives and spiritual lives are inseparable from these broader changes. So I'm wondering, I mean, just as someone born in the latter end of that, um, what is it like to be looking backwards in this way? Um, it, it seems very, very important to your work that you are able to look backwards. And it seems important that this story um, is rooted in a place that's personal to you. 
就是当我们在中国的社会现实中生活的时候 ，the reality I experienced in the 1970s is very much my own personal understanding of the dramatic transformations that we have experienced as a society. And I do think that even though it is clear to me what changes that we have made, but at the same time, in order for us to understand what actually goes on.、Uh, Within the Chinese society, we need to put it in a long time span, and only in this particular context we can understand that there's one thing that is constant, which is changes. And I want to、uh, somehow tease out this concept that、uh, the changes that we experience might be clear to us, but sometimes, if put it in a historical context, you will realize that sometimes these changes come slowly. Sometimes it come、uh, these changes they come suddenly, and sometimes you just hit that stagnation period that there are no changes at all. But no matter what, changes are constant, and in order for us to somehow move forward, we need to somehow still have that、uh, understanding that even though that certain changes might come slowly, but the society the society is changing, and we need to. Almost as if evoking that particular,、uh, very famous Chinese stories of someone who was just moving one rock at a time, trying to move the whole mountains, and that is exactly、uh, what I'm trying to present with、uh, this particular documentary. It's to tease out that the, the changes in different generations, while they might be different in terms of its speed and its scale, but、uh, we are changing, and we also want to. Uh, somehow continue these changes,、um, no matter what we are somehow discouraged at times. But these、uh, changes are coming, and changes are necessary for us. I'm I'm interested in in specifically、um, with all of that in mind, the focus here on literary figures.、Um, part of what strikes me is that they, to a person, all very beautifully, I think. Uh, describe and elaborate on exactly these ideas. I'm curious about about your relationship to the changing literary landscape and the ways that literature's purpose and role in reflecting and and taking account of these changes.、Um, you know, I'm curious about your curiosity about that because it is very you you know you integrate excerpts from many works. You give us that great.、Uh, Sense of literary festival and and people's voices overlapping, and we hear. I mean, just even to your point about intergenerational、um, differences, we hear even within that moment of, of just literary festival, so many overlapping but distinct、um, accounts of the ways that even that village had changed.、Um, so I'm I'm just curious about about.、Uh, Literature's role here, because I think it's、um, very pointed and part of, for me, what was very moving. The changes in the literary landscape very much reflect what's going on in the society in terms of the dramatic transformation we have experienced as a country. And one particular ways that you can observe changes is through the the genres of writings of these、uh, past decades, and before the 1980s. Especially during Ma Feng's、uh, eras, you can see that the writings are very much about collectivism. It's about the collective mentalities and cultures and ways of beings. 
whereas after 1980s, uh, through the writings of Jia Pinghua and later authors, you can see that it's very much about individualization, individualism, and the stories that they're telling and they are recounting is very much from the personal memories perspective. And I do think that as it evolves, that kind of transformation from collectivism to individualism further somehow changed into the, the contemporary authors. They tend to go from the individualistic personal memories to very, very private memories of their own. So it's not just personal, it's actually very intimate, very private uh, information that they're sharing. And this is very much about either the identity issues, whether or not it's about the, the most private uh, um, aspects of their lives and their, their beings that they are sharing with the, uh, with the readers through their words. For example, Liang Hong's work is very much about the not only personal memory, but also private details of her own life. And it's in the nonfiction uh, genre. So I do think that you do see how the literally landscape changes along with the overall uh, backdrop of the uh, transformation in the society. I'm curious, I mean, something that I feel when I watch every one of your films is I, I just walk away overwhelmed by the vastness of, of the scope of, of your films. And, and, um, and I mean that in terms of both where the stories go, but also the, 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 the number and the range and the types of questions that you ask in every film. Um, and, I, and I'm just wondering how, how that happens in a way. Um, I, I'm wondering, and because this, is, this feels, I mean, it, it, it feels, I think, uniquely special to your work that, that one can walk away with um, such an abundance of, uh, an abundant sense of, of the worlds that you're depicting. And, and, and in you know, a two hour runtime, you seem to do far more than most people do in, in, in much more time. So just as you're approaching these stories, I'm just so curious, and or organizing, for example, a nonfiction, nonfiction material into a documentary. Um, how do you get a handle on, on the scope of these things as you're making them? Because it truly is, I just think it's, it's, it's unparalleled for me. I think it's come out of necessity as a filmmaker. I do think that right now, my life experience, and it's very much informed by the environment and the technology that I am in. I lived through pre-internet era all the way to the internet era. And I do think that after internet becomes such a uh, ubiquitous technology, it somehow created this particular environment that is overloaded with information. And also the information we are receiving have been very much fragmented. And that actually have a huge impact on how I live and my experience, my memories. Somehow I feel that I am puzzled by my own experience, by my own memory, just because of the fragmentation and also the overload of information I'm receiving now. Uh, so in order for me to somehow unpuzzle uh, the situation, not only as a society, but also for me as a human being and my own 
upbringing, my own background, I think that it would require us to somehow stay away from that, that type of fragmented way of thinking about time. And that's why I rely on the long span of temporal elements and journeys in many of my works in order for me to somehow take a look of what really happened and what is my true experience, my own true memory or our society as a whole, our national memory and national experience uh, in a more holistic and more historical way so that um, we will have a clearer picture of what we actually experience and who we really are as human beings. It's interesting to hear you say that about fragmentation, um, given the occasion of this conversation is a film broken up into 18, I think, parts. And, and yet what you're saying really resonates, um, that, that this film, for its many sections, doesn't feel fragmented to me. It feels sort of unified in some ways in terms of the echoes that I hear between stories of, of authors who grew up at separate moments, but, but seem to, um, you know, in many ways sort of draw upon and, and recount similar or no, let me backtrack that, not similar, but I just, I've, who seem to recount a cohesive, I think, sense of the um, rural changes and the literary changes and the spiritual changes. So that makes me curious about the, the decision to divide this movie up um, into these smaller segments and to have so much going on, um, music with, with you know, uh, shots of labor, with the integration of, of poetry and, and all of these things. A movie that by all accounts should feel fragmented does not for me. And I'm curious about that tension. So the original concept of this film, when we first started, I was going to somehow structure the film in a chronological order, very much so as following the four generations of authors in a very linear way to somehow put together not only the collective memories that they have from the 60s, 70s to the 80s, but also their personal and individual memories during that time. And of course, these memories and their, these recollections can be very, very fragmented. As I was collecting these fragmented re recollections of what happened, uh, experienced uh, by these four generations of authors, I suddenly realized that there are also certain emotional logics that I can somehow structure this particular film with. And the emotional logics are the ones that I think uh, everyone can relate to because these are the basic problems and issues that we all need to deal with as human beings. So on the humanity level, I do think that because of the private memory, the individual memories that they have recounted very much mirrors those universal problems that we all share on the humanity level, such as eating, such as love, such as disease, such as birth. So I thought that it might actually um, be beneficial for me to not only structure everything chronologically in a linear sense, but also somehow find that type of emotional uh, logics that is universal uh, for us to all contemplate about that these indeed are the same exact issues and the common problems that we need to face a human being. 
and somehow because of that particular angle, we can all see this as our own experience as well and also find solutions to solve this uh, as a whole on the humanity level. Um, well, I, I want to thank you for speaking with me. I found this movie really, um, like so much of your work, overwhelming and uh, it just made me as, as someone who has not lived these experiences think about how I would recount my own experiences in relationship to history. Of course, we're living in a moment right now where uh, it is easy to sort of think about where you fit in the scheme of things. Um, but but uh, thank you. This is this has been a great conversation. Thank you.